Wapping Project is a, a vision which encapsulates new work, the commissioning of writers, poets, choreographers, composers, filmmakers, video makers and photographers. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Pass Forward, the Wapping Project 20, the podcast series exploring all aspects of the Wapping Project, past, present and into the future. I'm your host Gareth Evans and I'm delighted uh, for this episode to be in conversation around the Wapping Project bookshop with two of its key uh, participants, managers, hosts um, and activists, uh, Lydia Fulton and Ben Easton. Welcome to you both. Thank you. Thank you very much. Great to have you with us, Lydia coming from Canada and Ben from Athens. So it's a real pleasure uh, to bring you into the virtual space that is the Whopping Project now currently. Now we're going to be talking about the Whopping Project bookshop, which was a very distinctive operation, uh, not just in Whopping Project terms, but also in bookshop terms, because it was a greenhouse outside in the yard uh, at the Whopping Project, the hydraulic uh, power station in Whopping, of course. Um, and it started in 2008. Now, Lydia, you were um, the first uh, host, I think is the, is the term, or mistress even, uh, of the bookshop um, when, when it was uh, begun in 2008. Now, I wonder if you could um, tell us a little bit about um, the meeting uh, with Jules, I imagine, that led to you becoming uh, uh, the, the mistress of the bookshop. Yeah, of course. Well, I actually met Jules multiple times over the space of three years before the bookshop started. So I had been studying poetry and sculpture in Norwich and in my final year of my degree, I had come to London and was working in a magazine two days a week. And the magazine was based above a pub on Berwick Street in the center of Soho. So once I had finished, I would always go around to Charing Cross Road one of the bookshops or to the National Portrait Gallery and I remember the first time I saw Jules was on Charing Cross Road. I didn't know who she was but she was very distinctive with her dark sunglasses and her red bob, her all in black clothes and I think it was the following year then at the same magazine Jules came into the office and I recognised her as this lady from Charing Cross Road and she was invited to guest edit one of the issues of the magazine. And so there was a six month period, I think, of seeing her in the magazine office and putting that issue together. And there was a couple of conversations that we'd had over that time around books, but she was still very much um, a formidable figure, I would say. I, I wasn't confident to strike up a conversation with her when it was outside of the magazine office. Um, but that's how we first met. And then I also happened to meet Thomas Sanin Larcher, the photographer, who was working with Jules soon after. And he really, I think, brought us together in that every time I saw him, he would mention, you know, you should really contact Jules about working together. And I had left the magazine and I was writing freelance. And so I contacted Jules and wrote a few articles about the Wapping Project, um, more for architecture-based magazines, but the conversations would always lead to books and to art. And so it really came from then. It was a very gradual dialogue over the space of those three years. Um, 
No, that's tremendous. That's very evocative. Thank you. And, and and it chimes with with a number of our other guests who you know who meet Jules in certain contexts and then strike up a kind of personal engagement and then it, it, you know in, in informal ways often you know the next phase of the encounter develops um, and she's she's you know uh, kind of renowned of course for for that very human scale approach. So you were actually invited, I believe, Lydia, to create the bookshop. Is that right? Yes. Yeah, so um, I had interviewed her for design week article on the Wacken project and at that time Josh was also at the Wacken project during that interview and I had shared with him that I had studied poetry and my love of books and he said to me oh you know Jules always wanted to have a bookshop when she was a child and she dreams of having a bookshop in the garden and I think it was probably six months later that she had invited me to come to Wapping. I remember it was a Sunday and it was the first time I'd ever been there in the morning. It was torrential rain. I was living in Hackney and had decided to cycle there. And I arrived soaking wet and feeling really uncertain of how the meeting would be. I felt very nervous because although she had been so friendly, she also was a very strong character and made me feel quite anxious at times, I would say, when we first met. I, I hadn't found my confidence. You know, I was 26 mm -hmm. when she offered me to run the bookshop. And I was very aware that she had created this whole world at Wapping. And I didn't know if I had the confidence to take the offer to start with. Mm -hmm. um, no, thank you. I mean, I, I mean, all, all those aspects of, of of the story are recognisable. I think, but I she she really had a great uh, instinct for people. I think, and 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 that has come across, you know, in many of the episodes, as, as I said earlier. Let's hold that that moment of your establishing the bookshop. I called it a greenhouse, of course, which is a very English thing to do. I mean, what I should describe it really as is a glass house, of course, where where what is seeded are ideas uh, from the many uh, books uh, and publications on the shelves. Now, now, Ben, let's let's think about how you um, came to the Wapping Project because I think there was an interim appointment before um, you joined um, between uh, yourself and Lydia um, but what was your your sense of the Wapping Project before you um, before you approached it yourself? Well it was so nice to hear Lydia describe her first encounter with, uh, with Jules because it was yeah extremely evocative and it really brought it all rushing back for me as well um, I remember visiting the Wapping Project when, when Lydia was there and being kind of fascinated by it. And I think I'd applied initially for the position when Lydia left and it had gone to someone else. And then uh, I remember Jules calling me up, actually. I remember precisely where I was when Jules called me up now and said that the position was available again and would I come and see her. So I did and, and yeah, had very much the same experience as Lydia described, being kind of awed by... Jules' uh, personality, her kind of energy, her enthusiasm, uh, the kind of image she presented of herself, uh, the dark sunglasses, the red hair, her charisma. Uh, and then, yeah, taking the job, I think, that, that day and, uh, and feeling very much like I was entrusted with the responsibility of, of continuing what, um, what Lydia had established and its reputation and, and the kind of the regular characters who really relied on that bookshop a lot and would, would come in very regularly. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's nice to be reminded of all these things, actually.
That's tremendous, and thank you for that very generous response. Uh, and the idea, of course, that Jules had 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 logged your first application, remembered you, of course, and then came back um, uh, under her own steam to contact you is very striking. And again, a really uh, you know clear and tremendous example of how she valued those human connections and 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 really did follow up and 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 stay loyal to people. I think, which is is really uh, really striking. Thank you very much, Ben. We'll come back to your um, your own uh, iteration of the, of the shop in a minute. But now, Lydia, you'd established the 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 bookshop in in the glass house and of course now you had um you know the very enviable task but also perhaps quite daunting task of of stocking it in a way that both reflected the whopping projects um, uh, activities across multiple platforms and also of course stood in its own terms you know viably uh, as a shop with you know within a larger gallery and cultural context so um did you have any guidance from Jules about what she wanted to be in in there and 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 how the kind of the, the stocking of the shop might proceed no, the guidance from Jules was, I trust you, you can do this. The money from the first, there was a plan financially, she had shared that after the first year of the bookshop, any profit that was made would go straight back into buying books. And that's how, you know, it, it wasn't going to start off making money, but it needed to pay for itself. And so there would be photographic books. Um, Guy Bourdain, Susan Mazzalas, Deborah Turberville, there's a number of photographers that Jules already had a working relationship with or had exhibited with in her other walking gallery, and those that she recommended I stopped. But aside from that, she was very generous in saying, this is your space, and you need to collect the stock, and you need to order the stock. So I just went about contacting all of the publishers. I would travel to each studio in London and they would, you know, have their catalogue for me to see. And it was a real learning curve in being able to curate your stock and to know that the bookshop can only be as good as the stock within it. And it's so personal. And especially in a city like London, when there already were so many bookshops, I knew that to hand select each title, it had to reflect whopping, you're correct. But it also, I think it's a very personal thing to take on. And as with anything you do, it reflects your own tastes. So there can be no clear outcome, I think, when you're starting on a journey. If you already know the outcome, then perhaps you wouldn't. You wouldn't go on it. So Jules had no set criteria of what the stock would be. She was very open. If I had seen... Uh, Velasquez painting at the National Gallery and then I came back excited and wanted to order painting books then that was fine or if there was a poetry <laughs> event that had been really captivating then we would go that way and there were some small publishers CB editions run by Charles Boyle was hugely supportive in offering books and I think people pretty soon learnt that um, you know the stock evolved as the bookshop evolved and perhaps as my confidence grew, my tastes were able to come out more so that textiles or poetry or books that might not necessarily have been linked in specifically to the Wacken Project Gallery could find their own place also. And of course, there is cookery books to link in with the, the restaurant too.
That's tremendous. I mean, that really is a, a very evocative and vivid uh, answer. Many thanks, Lydia. And I, I certainly remember coming across Charles, Charles Boyle's editions uh, for the first time, you know, in, in the Glass House. And, and you know, he's now a friend and, you know, we kind of uh, are working uh, sometimes together as well. So that it, it was really a space, I think, and, and Ben, I'll come to you in a minute. I'm sure you would endorse this, of course, and you took it on yourself. The, a real space of, 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 of arrival for bibliophiles, for people passionate about small presses, um, pamphlet editions, of course, and art books. Um, and because of the size of the space, which was absolutely, you know, a limited environment, you know, you had to be very creative, of course, about um, how you displayed and, and, and stored uh, stored books, but also obviously give enough of a, a range to to uh, to make a visit, you know, in its own terms to, to to the bookshop viable. Now, Ben, Lydia's painted a very, very vivid picture, as I said, of, of, of how she was able to follow her own passions and instincts in, in, in stocking um, the shelves. Now, you, of course, when you took it on, also took on Lydia's, you know, cultural inheritance, as well as a dialogue, you know, with the Whopping Project in an ongoing way. So did you have a sort of a, a particular personal strategy when you were when you were running the space? I think, as Lydia has very eloquently described, there's a combination of, I guess, responsibilities towards the Wapping Project as an institution and uh, the um, the regular customers, the, the regular visitors, many of whom are interested, particularly in photography and architecture. So that was always there. But Jules was always very encouraging of the idea that anyone who worked at the Wapping Project um, that the work they should they did was, was complementary to their own practice. So there were so many artists uh, working there, so many writers in, in different positions. And at the time, I was uh, I'd recently founded a, a small magazine called the White Review, and I was particularly interested in independent magazine publishing. Um, and so I think the one thing I, I tried to build on Lydia's, Lydia's legacy was precisely this idea of stocking independent publishers, uh, pamphlets, uh, limited editions, uh, art books that were made by artists in very small runs, and um, continuing that tradition where, where this very unusual and very independent space could, yeah, could, could, could serve that purpose, could be a place where you could come across independent publications that you couldn't find in any other London bookshops. So it was very much a question of of uh, continuing what Lydia had started and and in a way using it to my own advantage because it was very useful for me meeting all of these people who were doing things that I was personally interested in. But yes, I mean, thank you very much indeed, Ben. I mean, you both painted a very clear picture of how you were able, of course, you know, with the with the Whopping Project Bookshop, you know, as, as as a business card, if you like, to meet all sorts of interesting publishers, artists, uh, and producers across across the range of of, of uh, activities and interests that you were wishing to support. Now, if we could go back, uh, Lydia, to to your time uh, with the bookshop, and and of course, alongside uh, the shelves, you established um, an events program. Now, this is a very distinctive venue. It's a very small venue indeed, and of of course, it's outside and very much uh, open to the elements in all sorts of ways. Uh, once the temperature drops, of course, and and the rain starts pouring, which it regularly does in London. So I wonder what your your thoughts were about how an events program, spatially and kind of conceptually, could work alongside this very distinctive uh, series of shelves that you'd created. Well, Jules 
had said very early on in our discussions about the bookshop that she thought it would be great to have a monthly focus was the first suggestion so that there could be an opportunity for people to come to the bookshop to hear an author or a photographer talk about their work. So the space was very intimate. It was heated by a wood stove. Josh had built the steel frame, so there was the, the steel structure and this glass that gave you this beautiful view of the London sky. And the bookshop main hours were at night time, so you'd arrive and there would be this grey sky and a rolling fog. And then it would turn into night and the bookshop would really come to life, I think, at night time. And the, the first reader we had was Deborah Levy, um, who Jules already had a relationship with. I had already met Deborah Levy through the magazine I had worked on prior. So it's this wonderful London mounting pot with all of these paths intertwining. Jules had suggested Deborah as the first reader, and she kindly agreed to come. And I remember Deborah arriving for her reading. It was on a Thursday night. And she's so statuesque, dressed in black with her red lips. And her voice, it's so lyrical. And the way that she reads her work aloud was really beautiful. And it was another moment of feeling slightly intimidated, I have to say, by having an author in the bookshop and the maximum people I think at this time we were having was 12 <laughs> and so pretty soon you realise the beauty of this space was not that having someone come to simply read their work which would happen at many book readings across town but it was more the dialogue that opened up and so after the first couple of book readings we really tried to maintain that open dialogue of the author or the architect or the photographer talking about their work and then it would open up so that the people majority of the people listening were sat on the floor there was one park bench inside the bookshop which seated four people if you were really squeezed in otherwise it was three. everyone else was very kind in understanding that the seating was on the, the wooden floor of the bookshop and if it was raining, we would have to close the greenhouse doors. So you were really snugged in together, but it really took down any barriers between the people. And it meant that these wonderful conversations happened well past the time that the reading was normally supposed to end. And I think that's what made those events so special was that the forced intimacy uh, created this other environment that I don't think existed anywhere else in London at that time. And I have to say, not only the confidence and generosity of Jules to encourage these happenings, but also every reader who came, you know, I would write, I started writing on my typewriter to anyone I thought would be perfect for this space. And Edna O'Brien came, the late Tony Benn came, you know, Tim Walker, the fashion photographer, we did his outside. There was a whole host of, of people who didn't think twice about coming to read to 12 people and their payment was a meal in a restaurant afterwards. You know, there was no monetary gain for the publishers from selling 12 books, but it was just these wonderful events. And um, I feel really grateful for Jules for really pushing those to happen and encouraging it. And every time there would be a lull and I'd think, well, how can I now fill the next four months with a nightly <laughs> reading? It's a lot of organising. But really encourage those to continue happening and I think having that weekly 
habits and that weekly gathering with a, a real focus for the bookshop and, and enabled it to grow and to gain attention in the way it did. We were really fortunate in the way it was so well received. No, that really is tremendous. And I can absolutely second, you know, the experience and, and the distinct pleasure, of course, of, of going to the bookshop and going to the events. And and the fact that, you know, the calibre of uh, writers that you attracted, um, you know, continued, of course, and grew um, is testament to that very, very open and transparent spirit of collaboration, really, which runs through, of course, through the whole of the Wapping Project's history, where, where people are, you know, are, are not just, you know, a you know, guests, even, you know, established writers, but are all, all, almost kind of part of the Whopping Project's collaborative process by, by you know, speaking to 12 people. Deborah's a perfect example of that. I'm delighted that we'll be speaking to her in a in a later episode. Um, now, Ben, that's a great uh, kind of um, initiative to run with. And, and obviously with the, the White Review, you did just that, a, a very ambitious and, and equally remarkable lineup of talents have, have graced its pages uh, to date. Now, you obviously set that up alongside your time at the uh, Wapping Project, and, and clearly that event programme was something that you also saw great potential in as well. Yes, uh, and I think certainly actually taking inspiration from from what Lydia had done and seeing actually how um, how generous-spirited these authors were who I admired um, and their willingness to come and speak in this tiny bookshop and actually the fact that this was perhaps an opportunity that they would welcome um, slightly outside of the you know, touring foils or, or waterstones to come and speak to very few people who were deeply you know, prepared to come to Wapping to, to, to talk to them and then they get a, a meal afterwards. And I think seeing that was enormously helpful for me because I realised that these authors who, you know, uh, Lydia was saying that she was intimidated by Deborah and I can remember feeling very much the same way and then being surprised and then excited to learn that this was something that she and, and other writers didn't do as a duty to their publicists but because they really wanted to. And that was an enormously helpful thing to learn at that time um, and made me much more confident in approaching these people. So that was, yeah, it was very reassuring because it felt for the first time, I'm not from London, and I think it felt for the first time that it was possible actually to, to create a literary community or an artistic community in London. And, and this was the first place I'd really come across that in that way. It felt very small, it felt very intimate. Um, the architecture of the space certainly uh, helped with that feeling. And, and Jules would always be bringing people, so there were you know, that kind of intimacy was very particular. I remember some of the sh my most enjoyable or memorable in encounters were just with the people who happened to be visiting Jules or came for dinner. Um, and then Jules would always send them out uh, to see the bookshop. Um, and Jules being Jules, they would obey her. <laughs> but yeah, I, I remember, yeah, I, I remember having, you know, Nan Golden kind of coming in and sitting in the bookshop and smoking cigarettes for a couple of hours and, and just this amazing thing. And then, you know, other people coming in to talk to her uh, and Seamus Heaney being there once because, you know, you think he was there for his niece's wedding or, or something like that. And <laughs> that was this amazing thing that these, these kind of very strange encounters could happen. And because of the particular atmosphere that Jules had, had created, 
it felt incredibly collegiate and uh, and welcoming and and open. And that was something that actually it was it was very difficult to find in London then. And I, I think it's it became increasingly difficult and and now feels uh, uh, alien almost in our current conditions. But um, it's certainly that that intimacy. Absolutely. And, and yes, I'm sadly, I, I fear I have to agree with you on, on the changes in the city. But that idea of an intimate ambition, which you both uh, wonderfully described, and, and the scale of, of, of guests, writers, artists, um, you know, coming into that space, of course, and feeling, uh, you know, comfortable with it, and also very pleased to be there and bringing, you know, that calibre of material, you know, to, to such a distinctive salon scale audience. You know, it was a real mark of, again, of the Whopping Project's you know, singular presence in the culture. Now, of course, times change. Um, the building uh, is no longer the site of the Whopping Project's activities. It's now become nomadic and moves across the world and across platforms. And both of you, of course, uh, uh, have moved on to uh, other projects. And I wondered, just as we move towards a close, if I could ask each of you in turn um, about, you know, I mean, you've already been very clear about the the great um, opportunity that the Whopping Project Bookshop role gave to each of you and, and the sense of being entrusted with your own um, tastes and instincts and being supported by the larger organisation in, in those. But given that the things have moved on and you've now gone on to other projects elsewhere and in fact in other countries, Lydia, I wonder, starting with you, if you could just share with us how that, that process of being at the Whopping Project perhaps changed, you know, your sense of what was possible, your sense of, of creative direction even, and, and, and the idea of the legacy of it in your own, uh, your own career um, as it's continued to now. Oh, it's so immense. I find that very hard to summarise in words because, you know, as I said before, I was so young and I had gone straight from art school to this magazine job to then writing freelance. And really, I met Jules at this moment where I started to feel like London was an amazing place to be. And she really opened up that to me. She had this way of knowing your skill sets even when you couldn't see it yourself. And and I think really running the bookshop allowed me to see the way I was living and art and the bookshop, everything was as one. There was no separation. So people I had come across prior in London, like Jan Pienkowski, the children's illustrator, like people very diverse, all different poets, would come to the bookshop and it was an extension almost as my living space. The hours might be <laughs> Thursday, Friday night. You know, Saturday was a 12, 14-hour day that it was open and every day Sunday. So when you're in your mid-20s, that's all of your social hours were spent in a glass house in the garden of the Whopping Project. So everyone came to you if they wanted to see you. And, and Jules really allowed me to have the confidence to know whatever path you take in life, everything can come together as one. How you spend your time is who you are. There is no separation in that. And she also had this way of really listening. And we're all so good at talking, but it's so rare to find someone who really listens. And Jules would come and sit in the bookshop. And, you know, she'd take off her glasses and she would sit and listen to you. And you would know that she was listening and she, she gave space for people to really grow. And I think that's a huge 
gift that she has given so many people who pass through the Wapping Project. And I know that for many of the readers who came, I felt so grateful that these authors came, but you would also really want them to see the other side of the Wapping Project too, and to go in and have the meal afterwards and to soak up a space because there were some overlaps, but there was also, I found a lot of people who came to the bookshop who hadn't had a prior awareness of the restaurant or of all that Wapping had to offer. So to be able to bring these, you know, seemingly different worlds together was was wonderful. I think that was all down to Jules, just having the confidence in people, but then stepping back and and really letting you go for it yourself and finding your own way. Absolutely. I mean, I, I couldn't put it better myself. You know, my own experience of Jules and the Whopping Project, you know, it absolutely endorses that. Thank you so much, Lydia. And, and Ben, I, I'm sure for you, you've gone on to all sorts of uh, fascinating projects uh, since leaving the Whopping Project bookshop. And, and that sense of um, the instilled confidence that you've uh, already spoken a little about, um, about that uh, Jules gave you, um, carries on, of course, uh, into uh, things that you've been doing since, I imagine. Yeah, Lydia described it beautifully, actually, and, and really, it's very nice to think again about precisely those moments in which Jules would just come and sit in the in the shop and listen to you, and the kind of advice she had to offer, and her very particular warmth. Actually, once you'd once I stopped being deeply scared of her, um, <laughs> and actually how generous she was in, in her time and in her advice, and also her complete commitment to everyone. You know this. She kind of wouldn't let you believe that anything was impossible um, and then was enormously encouraging of, of everything that everyone did. And I think to, to see what she'd achieved and to learn that you could, if you committed to something and you were prepared to, um, yeah, pre prepared to commit to something and prepared to put the work in and, and have the confidence or the courage to approach people. Um, Jules was enormously important for me. I was the same age as, as Lydia when I joined and that was a very important lesson for me to learn um, and a great model to be able to observe for a couple of years. So yeah, it was, it was enormously important to me. Thank you so much, Ben. I mean, it's great to hear from, from both of you, really, this incredible endorsement of the Whopping Project and, of course, of the late, great Jules Wright and this particular incarnation um, that you both experienced, of course, uh, running the uh, Whopping Project bookshop, the, the Glass House, in the garden, in the yard of the hydraulic power station, but, of course, in dynamic interaction um, and, and uh, uh creative engagement with the uh, the building inside the restaurant the gallery and all the other activities thank you very much indeed for sharing your your thoughts and memories uh, and time with us today thank you it's lovely to talk to you all now i'd like to draw listeners attention to um two on uh, online sites uh, attached to the bookshop which still remain uh, in cyberspace for us to enjoy and, and you can get a real flavor of the uh, activities of the shop um, uh, the events the the stock list and, and all attached to it um, uh, from uh, from these two sites so the Twitter account is still active and it's whopping books so please find that in the usual way and you can also see 
um, uh, posts and, and entries um, on the Whopping Project uh, Bookshop website, uh, WordPress site rather, um, the blog if you like, uh, whoppingprojectbookshop.wordpress.com. Um, so do please take a trip down memory lane if you remember the bookshop uh, and a new journey into the past uh, if you are uh, not so familiar with it uh, on those two sites. Now this is the uh, last episode in the current series of Pass Forward the Whopping Project at 20. Um, we will of course be back with the uh, third series uh, in due course and I do hope you can join us then when we'll be speaking to Billy Cowie, uh, Deborah Levy and many others uh, about their own experiences uh, of, of working with Jules uh, and the team at the Whopping Project. That's to come of course um, but you will find all details of that on the Whopping Project website whoppingproject.org. Uh, and so I, I, until then, I do hope you can uh, catch up on any podcast episodes so far that you've missed. And uh, we look forward uh, to you joining us, I hope, in due course. Uh, many, many thanks for your attention today and goodbye. The Whopping Project is a, a vision which encapsulates new work, the commissioning of writers, poets, choreographers, composers.